0: This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tánis de Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening.
1: Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. This is the Rugby World Cup on the left wing.
2: After years of build-up, the wait is almost over. This Saturday, Ireland take on the reigning world champion South Africa in Paris, and what a game it promises to be. Andy Farrell's men took another positive World Cup step on Saturday night with a dominant win over Tonga, but the Springboks posed an entirely different challenge all that means, we have plenty to talk about on today's episode of The Left Wing. Will Slattery here with you, and I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Fitzgerald and Jonathan Bradley for our chat today. And a big thank you to everyone who got in touch with questions and comments. You can still do so on Spotify or tweet any of us, myself, Luke, Jonathan, Rory, Keane, and Sinead, who are over in France. We'll try to get to as many questions and comments as we can throughout the show. But Jonathan, now as we kind of make our way into South Africa week, as I mentioned, the build-up has been going on for so long. We've been so excited for, for this big game in particular I think Rory O'Connor actually summed it up well in his kind of opening line of the match report on Saturday night. He said Andy Favre probably couldn't have scripted a better opening to this World Cup in terms of, you know, the preparation for this defining pool match and potentially one of the defining games of the entire tournament.
1: Absolutely. You know, we weighed it up last week with the, uh, the risk-reward of laying out a statement performance against the risk of injury. So to come through that, I understand that obviously there was a, a doubt over Finley Bielam and we'll, we'll see before Thursday whether he's going to be fit to play. But whenever we looked at the World Cup draw, whenever we saw the fixtures, this was obviously the one that had the red ring around it. And even in a worst-case scenario now, with Ireland having had all 33 players in their squad on the training paddock today with Jack Conan back in there, uh, Sheehan back in the mix as well, even in a worst-case scenario, Ireland are going in with 21 of their first choice, 23 available, and their entire first choice, 15, available. And if you look around the World Cup, that's such an enviable, enviable position to be in. Let alone the fact that you started with two really emphatic victories, ten points. You, know, as Rudd said in that article, like it couldn't really have gone any better. It's beyond any coach's expectations that things have gone this smoothly. Not even just during this tournament, but in the build-up to it as well, in terms of your injury profile.
2: Yeah, Luke, and obviously it's something that you were very, I suppose, emphatic about in the build-up. You know, kind of from the back end of last season about Ireland playing their strongest team early doors in this tournament to build in some momentum to get minutes into key guys. Now here we are, Springboks on the horizon and it looks like it's worked an absolute treat.
0: Yeah, no, look, I don't think they've got much of a choice, Will. Um, You know, I think... um You know, just with that risky fixture that Ireland have at the end against Scotland, uh, I think you've got to put yourself in the best uh, position you can coming into that one. Try and take as much pressure off, even though unlikely, you know, that's ever going to be the case. You just have to go ahead and win that one. But we know just from our previous history with Scotland that we have a better chance of doing that. Uh, In terms of Ireland, yeah, look, you'd probably like... a. I'm torn on this one. I think probably you'd like to uh, have seen a bit more rugby in, in Johnny Sexton's legs towards the end of last season, although the counter-argument to that is that when he's so experienced, you know what you're going to get with him in terms of his thinking on the game. And so far ahead, maybe in that respect, um, that maybe a bit of cotton wool around the body towards the end of last season and over the summer might not have been such a bad thing. And he maybe, it might give him more scope to, to you know, if we go further on the competition to be fresher then uh, than if he had had a hard finish to last season. But, uh, other than that it looks like Sheehan you know is coming back into the mix as well which is great i think we're going to need as much firepower as we can on the front row kean Healy is not ideal but i still think there's enough there with you know um kilcoin i think looks you know strong in the loose uh you know he's playing pretty good uh i think maybe it, lo- it looks like it might be him but if it's not you know i think we're still in good shape um, you know the beelam thing is a little bit I mean look you're tight head against, against South Africa I mean asking 80 minutes of furlong I just think might be a little bit too much you're going to need to rely on your bench in this one Um, so would like to see Beelum back I thought he finished last season very well he had, a, he had a strong season all year and he's he's a strong scrummager I mean Connacht do have a very good scrum they have good stats around that Um, so yeah look other than that I think in great shape Um, you know I, I would like to I think there'll be real pressure on them uh, this week. and I think we'll learn an awful lot about ourselves. I don't think South Africa learn as much from this one. I think we know what they are in terms of, you know, outside of Libok, Um, You know, I think we kind of know what South Africa are, don't we? Um, um, but Ireland, I think we'll find out, I think, what our medal is like. How far can we go in this tournament? Um, I think we'll be dictated by maybe the confidence that we get from a win or possibly, you know, if we get a loss, could we go ahead and, would we have the stomach to then go on and turn it around and beat a uh, France who are quite similar to South Africa if we go ahead and beat Scotland? So not riding on this one. I think Rory's right. I don't think I believed him at the start of the competition
2: about how big a match this is. Um, but the closer it gets, the more I think it's absolutely crucial. Jonathan, is it, is it a bigger game for Ireland on Saturday than it is for South Africa? Given the fact that they've beaten Scotland already, they are into the quarterfinals more or less there's maybe an idea that they would be better equipped to beat France in the quarterfinal as well if it came to that? Like, or, or, or am I kind of, is it just that it's crucial for both teams? It's huge, it's seismic regardless of where you're coming from. Or is, it, is there a little bit more pressure on Ireland to deliver if they do want to go on and win a World Cup, as Luke mentioned?
1: No, I think that's, that's 100%, Will. That's exactly exactly how I see it. Like Luke can probably speak to this better than I can, but the intense atmosphere of a World Cup camp with Ireland having this down week after the South Africa game, like, you, I don't think that you want two weeks of stewing over a defeat before you go into the Scotland game. And bearing in mind that that Scotland game then essentially becomes a last 16 game because if you lose it, then you're going to go out. So I think just the way the fixtures have fallen, I think it's massively bigger for for Ireland because South Africa can lose and still feel relatively confident that they're going to go through. Whereas Ireland would have this hurdle of a Scotland side that while we've talked in past weeks how we don't think they're as good as Ireland, it's not the kind of game where you're just going to look at it and be like, well, we're going to win that. You know, That's a live game that Ireland would then have to prepare for, which would then mean if they were going to win the World Cup, then you've got four knockout games in a row and that's going to be incredibly difficult to do. And I take your point as well about the notion that uh, South Africa are probably better equipped to take on France in Paris for that particular challenge than I think uh then I think Ireland would be. I think you would see South Africa would probably have better odds against France than I think Ireland would. Hmm. Luke and you mentioned there like about
2: the idea would Ireland have the, the stomach to to recover from a defeat. Everything's been going so well, 15 wins in a row, I think 25 out of 27 victories, you know, going back, you know, two and a half years now that if they're... And given our history of World Cups as well, if if the first kind of sign of a, of a, a setback comes during the tournament, can they recover? Like, you know, you touched on it there. What, what's your notion around that idea?
0: I think maybe where I'm leaning with that one is could they recover in time to beat France? Which is really what we're all wondering, isn't it? Do you mean it? physically
2: um, or mentally or both? Or? I think a
0: bit of both, Will. Yeah, like I think, um, you know, they've got an, an awful lot of confidence from November, but... I, I'm a little bit concerned about that one. I thought South Africa, you know, couldn't get a kick, like they couldn't kick snow for or rope that day. Now, the, the thing is, camp. they might still be in the same situation. Exactly. So like, that's what we're all hoping, I think. Um, but just the pressure that they can put on, I think that defensive system is quite unusual. Um, well, not unusual Not that everyone seems to be coming hard up, but South Africa seem to be completely hedging their bets. They seem to have, there's times on the pitch where they continue to come forward, like, I'm going to say I'm not going to say on the edge of reckless is probably how the best way I would describe it. They could have their whole team inside the front post or the first post, uh, and still they're coming hard up at you. And um, they're just not going to give you any space to, to maneuver. And I wonder if Ireland do play a reasonably you know high risk strategy, um, but it kind of can go one of two ways. Like I mean, I could see Ireland opening this South Africa defense up if they get it right. But I just it's so bloody hard to do it, and not many teams have done it that regularly. And then can you contain that weight of the pack? And um, the reason I mentioned this one has been such a crucial fixture and why I've come around to that is because I think France, while they're not as gung-ho defensively, they pose a lot of the same problems for Ireland in that weight and the scrum and, and they have a very strong line-out too. Um, so you wonder would they be able to figure it out in time also having played Scotland the week before in a massive crunch fixture Um so it just feels like it's an awful lot of pressure in 2 weeks to deliver two huge performances if they don't get this one over the line. And um, now New Zealand is still a massive challenge, but I just feel like you'd be in a better position um you'd feel better about yourself having seen that that uh, South African New Zealand game, um you know, having seen the French game. Uh, only in the last kind of five or six weeks. And you kind of say to yourself, look, there's plenty to target there in New Zealand. Uh, We will manage well against them in the scrum. And then like, are there many teams in the world at the moment that play better rugby in the loose kind of, you know, in in kind of unstructured than than Ireland? I I would venture a guess and say possibly not. Um, You know, I think Ireland as a team cohesively I mean, they're just, they play beautiful rugby on the eye. They really do. And everyone can play one to 15, whoever's on the pitch, even the the, the bench guys. Um, so New Zealand does suit us an awful lot more. And I just feel like it might be a challenge to get back up and get over that quarterfinal hump against France.
2: Yeah, so Jonathan, say if we're sitting here next week, next Tuesday recording and we're looking back on an Ireland victory, what do you think we're, what do you think the game looked like? You know, if you can kind of kind of look at it like that like if Ireland do get over the line of if they are to win how do you envisage that kind of victory coming about in terms of how they might target South Africa
1: well I think it's exactly as uh, as Luke said Luke talked about the South African defensive system and like it's really really fascinating to watch the way that they set up because it's very easy to look at it on a Monday morning and you get the aerial view of the pitch and you see where all the space is but to do that in the moment is obviously so difficult because you know you look, you watch the South Africa game back, and you see what you think are all these opportunities. But we're talking about the best teams in the world, and they're not taking them because of the pressure that South Africa put on your decision making and the pressure that South Africa put on your passing to get that extra, to get the ball out wide. You know, we talked uh, two weeks ago about the Darcy agreements, and and that you know those type of things loom so large. So. There's no doubt in my mind that Ireland are going to create those chances. But if they're going to win the game, they have to take those chances. And that's what teams really struggle to do against South Africa. So, you know, I would look back at, say, the try that Mack Hansen scored. And yes, obviously, Mack Hansen does brilliantly to finish that off himself, beating what felt like four or five uh, Tongans on the way to the line. But if you watch the build-up, it's such a good team try in terms of the, the patience that Ireland moves through. But also, the key pass, if you like, is the one that Hugo Keenan plays to Gary Ringrose, And he gets absolutely emptied. Like, he gets properly, properly melted as he plays the ball. But that's what you have to do. You have to make decisions in those instances where somebody is right up in your face and you know that you're going to get hit and you're going to get hit hard. It's making those right decisions to get the ball to the edge because that's where South Africa leaves the space but they bank on you not being able to do that, not being able to get the ball to the space. And they do it in a different way than any other team in international rugby for me.
2: Yeah, I think it's a really good point to make about the pressure it puts on a team's passing because that's one of my vivid memories of that November game is that there was a couple of opportunities in particular in the first half where Ireland couldn't hit their men in stride, whereas usually they're really good at doing that. The, the ball was bouncing up in front of players. They were having to the, the wingers would step back and check and grab the ball, which if it's kind of a little better on point there, there might have been a bit uh, more opportunity outright. Luke, what, what do you have your perspective on what Jonathan was saying there in terms of the, the blitz defense and the challenge that we'll pose to Ireland? Um. Yeah, do you know what? I'd love to, I,
0: I think it's a similar, um, I'd, I'd rather answer, answer actually the same question Jonathan did because I just think it's a little bit more interesting uh, if I'm being completely honest. I think, um, not, not, to, not to dent your, your, your beautifully crafted questions, Will, but well, I just think it's just...
2: No, I'll ask both of yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, fair enough. I, I just think, uh, you know, just in terms of what an Ireland victory might look like if we're, if we're looking at it next week, I think, um, you know, it looks like we've we survived at scrum time um, I think we end up with um, you know, I think a lot of people look at France and say ball and play time is the key for Ireland. I think it's gonna be a challenge against South Africa, just with the way they defend. So what I think it looks like is survival at scrum, really, really strong line out performance. And I actually think it might require a little bit of bravery and and, and, and just craft around the line out. because I, I think you do have to play a few um, you know, full full man lineouts. Um, you know, versus I think the the temptation against South Africa because they're so good there is to possibly go with shortened lineouts, but that actually creates a lot of problems with you getting any go forward if they have bigger numbers uh, ready, kind of on their feet out out in the back line. You know, if you can kind of have your loose forwards and, and people like that will. So um, I expect them to have a very strong line out performance with a little bit of bravery around being kind of full man. I, I'd love to see them try and push them around a little bit, but also I think it'll probably require a little bit of outside the box thinking about how you break down this defense. So it might be maybe one try from a set play that's very, very creative that they might have spotted during the video work. And I think it requires a really good two things. And I haven't, I'm conscious I haven't mentioned Ireland's attack, which I did mention previously about being really, really strong in the loose. And, And Ireland are very good there. But I think if we're going to win, that has to go well. But particularly your defense has to be rock, rock solid. And you have to try and meet the South Africans on the gain line or just before the gain line. I would, I would actually venture to say you need to meet them before the gain line because I don't think you win as many collisions against the South Africans just because of their sheer size and power. So the collision has to happen a little bit earlier. That requires bravery. It requires great fitness as well, particularly if, you, if your forwards have been in pushing and shoving with heavier guys in the South African pack. Um, and the last thing, and probably the, I'm not going to say the most important, but certainly up there with the line out for me um, is, is the kicking game the kicking game has got to be on point. You have got to figure out ways to put pressure on them. I thought Ireland did that quite well in November. Um, it might not look like some of the tradition, sorry, it might look a little bit more traditional, actually. I'd, I'd amend my original statement to possibly going and using our centers, depending who's on the pitch, Um I, if Robbie Henshaw is there, I would be putting, I, I'd be getting him to chase a lot of high balls, actually. I think he's brilliant at that. I think himself and Gary are good there. You could put an awful lot of pressure on, on the, the back three there. And then, obviously, our, our, our back three players have to have big, big games defensively and an attack. Um, so I think that's the, they're, they're the keys. I know I've pretty much covered every facet of the game. Um, <laughs> uh, you have to be look. But we are playing against probably one of the best sides, if not the best side in the world, um, in my opinion. So, everything has to go right. But they're the key things. Just if I was figuring out, if I was going to say to myself, what has to be great? I think you've got to get all those things right, with the key thing being the kick in the line out.
2: Yeah, it's interesting you brought the kicking game up at the very end there, because I was going to bring that up if you hadn't, because I was reading Bernard Jackman on Sunday. You know, I kind of forgot that, you know, Cheslin Colby's five foot six, Curly Arendt's is five foot eight, the two Ireland wings, if it's going to be James O'Mac Hansen are about six one. Like, so. Now, Kobe is very good in the air for Kobe's us. Kobe's
0: excellent, though. He yeah, is very he good. Is. Yeah. But
2: there's still a five inch advantage that an Ireland winger might have in contesting a high ball in front of him. Like, as good as he is, that should hopefully, if they go to the kicking game. It's funny because Ireland have become so sophisticated in attack that we don't really discuss the kicking game quite as much anymore. It was obviously a kind of a, a focal point of the team, you know, you know, prior to Andy Farrell coming in in the Joe Schmidt era. But it, do you think, Luca, it could be a very. In a key battleground? I think it could be and that's where Johnny Sexton really comes into his own. I think
0: there won't be any no-look, silly crossfield kicks. There'll be properly targeted smart kicks and it could be grubbers, it could be chips. Uh, he's got a really varied game. Now, I know the one against Romania at the start of the tournament didn't work out too good but generally speaking, he's got a really good knack for being a bit creative with it and maybe giving you as a back-three player a kick late to the line, particularly if South Africa are coming really hard off the line Something late that's creative and that can be very, very difficult to deal with. And I think it's going to be a combination of those things. But obviously, you know, I do think going to the air is a strength for Ireland. Um, I think it'll be hard not to pick Bundy a key. But if I, I, I just, I do love Robbie Henshaw. I do love that he gives you that. Actually, he's so good at chasing high balls as well. Lads. Now that might be, look, you might still be able to pick Bundy and you get that physicality. He probably is, might have an edge on Henshaw. Very slight edge now. Henshaw's very, very physical too. Um, but even if he comes on with 30 minutes to go to replace one of the centers, I'd be using him in the air. I I think you could put some real pressure in this South African back three through the middle or out the side. That one through the middle is really, really hard to defend, particularly if there's gaps for your chasers to get through quickly. Um, So that's something I'd certainly be using as as a weapon in your arsenal. Um, I think as well, you know, Ireland were very creative against Tonga off the the, the 20... Well, not the not 22s, the restarts. <laughs> um, very, very creative there. We saw that kind of old-school Joe Schmidt uh, move. There was a version of that where Caelan Doris obviously went through. Um, I think it'll... You know, the, I'm hoping they've got a few variations of that because obviously South Africa will be prepping around there. Um, I expect them to. I know Andy Farrell made that kind of tongue-in-cheek comment about it and, and there was a bit of a chuckle. Um, but I do think that... Uh, Ireland will have to be creative as well, will I? I, I think it's going to require a little bit of out of the box thinking. So hopefully, Mike Cat has something in 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 there, and, and and Paul O'Connell if some something that they've got up their sleeve. I expect them to have it because I think you might need it in a, in a in a very tight game, which is what I expect. I expect this to be very tight. If Ireland hold up defensively against South Africa, um, this is a tight game because they certainly won't be wilting defensively, and you might need just a moment of magic or a moment of outthinking the opposition. Um, Could be tricky though but it's going to be that fine margins I think that that decided.
2: Yeah, your point about Robbie Henshaw is a good one because I feel like you know, given the talk about bench options 6-2 splits 7-1 splits potentially the South African bomb squad having Robbie Henshaw on the 23 jersey I think is a big point of difference for Ireland. A lot of teams don't pick a centre in that role. The multifaceted game that he brings being able to chase kicks being able to play traditional centre play as well I think that could be very decisive in the second half. You know, being able to replace a quality centre with someone of Robbie Henshaw's world-class ability, I think potentially could be a, a very good thing in, uh, in the second half and the game's in the melting pot. Jonathan, to turn my original question on the other side, if we're sitting here next Tuesday and Ireland have been beaten, what do you look? how do you feel that game plays out? What are the areas that you might, look, we might be looking back on thinking, oh, that, w- that was key and South Africa got on top of us there?
1: Definitely the start. I think South Africa are unrivaled as a frontrunner. Um, so I think the start's massively important if South Africa get ahead. They can really, really strangle the life out of a game. We saw that against Scotland once they got the upper hand there. Uh, slowing Ireland's ball down at the breakdown, that goes pretty much for everybody, not just South Africa, but it's something that South Africa are obviously very good at. Like Jameson Gibson Park really thrives off uh, that quick ball and setting the attack in motion quickly. Like It's a huge part of why we've seen Jameson Gibson Park become so important to this Irish side at a time, you know, whenever he came into the team, it was somewhat out of left field in terms of selection um, that he would be starting when at that time it was still a doubt whether he was actually starting for uh, for Leinster. So I think that breakdown piece is key. Making a mess of the, the Irish line-out, like we saw how important, again, that was as a launch in terms of the tries against uh against Tonga. And as much as Kelleher came in and did really, really well, it's the best we've seen an Irish line-out look certainly this summer but really going back to sort of the middle of the Six Nations. Um, But it was against Tonga who, for my money, aren't as good at the defensive line-out as a team like Samoa that we saw in the summer, you know. But uh, South Africa and especially if Edsabeth is playing as we think that he will you know, that's going to be a huge, huge challenge in terms of getting the clean line-out ball that you need. And I think those are all areas that South Africa will be looking at. Not so much from what we've seen over the last fortnight of Ireland, but even going back to that uh, game last November, you know, those are the areas that they think probably provide the blueprint for beating Ireland. But it's, you know, it's the same as what we're talking about with South Africa. It's knowing how to beat them and then it's going out and doing it because as we've seen, you know, Ireland haven't lost in, you know they've won 15 in a row so knowing what to do and implementing it are two different things
2: yeah anything else Luke any other areas in addition to what Jonathan brought up there that you think if we're coming coming back after a loss next Tuesday we'll be looking back on as decisive
0: if we're looking at a loss I think you know South Africa get their kicking game right um, they get on top at set piece um, I don't think it'll be that overly it, it won't be more complicated than that Um you know, I, the, the one thing is to, to go back to South Africa that they really have to watch. I think their discipline, you know, if, if Ireland, my big concern with, it's a Lancer thing and Ireland thing as well. I, I wonder about the pace of play sometimes. Well, really. you hear me talking about this a lot. Um, I, I sometimes think that Ireland play at kind of a frantic pace all the time. I do wonder sometimes against the South Africa team um, if you're not better off holding the ball for a little bit against them, even if you're going backwards. I think they have a temptation to possibly overcommit and over, they're, they're kind of, um, they're so physical at times that you can kind of, you can kind of leak mistakes out of them and pressure that way as well. So that is something that I would like to see Ireland maybe hang on to the ball a little bit longer. I know there's a lot of new thinking out about the game about going beyond a certain amount of phases against certain teams. Um, Bernard Jackman actually had had some very interesting, you know, insight into that. Um, you know, particularly against the, I think we were talking about New Zealand at the time, actually about France and, and Ireland and how they've kind of approached New Zealand. But similarly, I, I think the same kind of thing applies sometimes to, in a different way, to South Africa, where I think they have a temptation to. They want to try and win it off the first collision every single time, or they might get a dominant hit. And the temptation is sometimes to overcommit and to, to be a little bit sloppy. They can ha- also have some high hits as well. So I think if you have the ball, I think that's a good thing against South Africa. So uh, I, from, a, from a loss perspective, I think if we don't get much ball, if they have a lot of, lot of possession against us, I think that's not a good thing. But if we have it, I think it could be a very positive. So that, that is something that is an obvious thing to say, but maybe for reasons that maybe people haven't considered, is that I think you can bleed penalties out of South Africa. Um, I do think that they can be sloppy there sometimes and I think um, Ireland generally speaking have been very very good discipline wise bar obviously the Peter O'Mahony you know yellow card um, you know so I think that that's, uh, that's an area that both teams will be watching quite closely I think that's the, the the discipline side and I think the possession is kind of a key part of that so that's another area that I'll be watching closely um, obviously possession linked very closely with territory a lot of the time as well I think that's through, through the penalties so the two, and those those things are very, very important for, for both sides in the weekend. And whoever kind of can control that, uh, even if they're not going forward all the time, I
2: think wins does win the game. It's a really crucial aspect in this one for both teams. Jonathan, like, what, what do you make of the physical battle generally? Like, There has been an accusation level that Ireland, and, and to a degree, Leinster, who make up the bulk of the national team, that when it's the top-end physicality of La Rochelle, as we saw in two Champions Cup finals in a row, and, and before that, Saracen, is that the Irish team and the players who are represented there from Leinster have struggled in, in that regard. Like, the, there's no bigger physical challenge in South Africa. Are we overlooking the fact that in somewhat similar instances in the re- relatively recent past, Irish teams have struggled with that physicality?
1: I think in a way, yes. But sometimes it can also be instructive to look at how other teams or other rugby-playing nations, if you like, rather than teams, view Ireland. So, you know, if you go through the Scottish media, as an example, like, the concern in Scotland is that the pool draw did not suit Scotland because of playing two teams as physical as Ireland and Scotland. Or sorry, Ireland and South Africa. So while we traditionally don't view ourselves as a physical team, a lot of the other countries would argue that Ireland may be a notch below France and South Africa, but are still one of the most physical teams in the world. And I know there's an awful lot of um a lot goes back to, you know, those La Rochelle games and even the Saracens game before that in Leinster because it is such a bulk um, group from Leinster. But you also have to acknowledge that, you know, you're bringing in the likes of Peter O'Mahony, you're bringing in the likes of an Ian Henderson, you're bringing in the likes of a Bondiaki, you know, guys of those physical profile to hugely supplement what Leinster have as well. And, you know, you know, Luke mentioned uh physicality of a Robbie Henshaw it's not something that we associate with him but it's there and I think it's the same with a lot of these Irish players like we don't view them as hugely physical players but you know they are and they stack up in that regard to an awful lot of teams right around the world
2: Yeah what's your view on that Luke? Because I've I've never personally bought into that narrative wholesale that it's like Irish teams can't deal with the top end physicality I I look back at some of those defeats and of course, it's difficult to deal with the biggest rugby players in the world, but I don't necessarily say that's the reason these matches were lost. At the end of the day, I'm not sure what your perspective is on that ahead of such a formidable physical challenge.
0: Yeah, I do. You know what? I was I kind of Jonathan's comments there really opened my eyes to it a little bit. I, I maybe I've kind of fallen victim to that because maybe I think that Ireland, you know. I think Ireland's style of play maybe could maybe... It's definitely lured me that way. I, I think we're kind of trying to avoid the squeezing teams out. We're not that type of team in my opinion. But that does... When I think about it, it's not to say that we actually aren't physical. I mean, you think about our rucking, I think generally very accurate, very aggressive in there. You know, we do get very clean ball. You know, when we're playing well, you know, and we put in, we're putting the ball on a, on a platter for a Jameson Gibson Park and we're really rolling and, and the rugby I think we've associated with this team over the last couple of years, two years probably, um, is is very, you know, easy on the eye. You probably can only really do that if you're winning collisions, you know, and, and you're winning rooks at good speed and you're an aggressive and your body height's good. All those things are really good. So maybe I suppose what, where I'm looking at is possibly around scrum and line-out. And I think maybe at times... Um, you know everyone seems to every team in the world seems to struggle with a good organized lineup but South Africa particularly seems to be organized and have the weight and I would associate the same thing with kind of La Rochelle um, and they do pose very very similar challenges I do get the point I think Jonathan makes a good one about you know the extra bodies in there um, and you think about our bench is very very strong you know the likes of a Conan uh, could be there you know Sheehan we don't know whether he's going to be starting but he could be there uh, Finley Bialum has been excellent, you know. So we we actually do have lots of ballast in there. Henderson could be on the bench more than likely. I would think this weekend as well. So there's plenty there for us, um, and I do think that uh, you know there's plenty in the tank for us to compete there. I, I do think that's probably not the game we want to play against South Africa. Maybe that's why we're talking about it. We want to be playing a faster pace, a kind of more. We want to be, yes, winning collisions, but we want to be winning them in different parts of the pitch so we can open up the pitch. I think they want to be winning them just to get over the gain line and squeeze us and get the momentum back, you know, in, in the tight exchanges. Um, I think it's it requires less thought, it requires less skill to do that, I think. Um, which is why I always think South Africa is so effective in World Cups and are such a difficult team to play against. Because a lot of their game plan doesn't actually require a massive amount of really technical ability or or passes under pressure it's just can you deal with us can you can you front up against us physically um and um there's a massive challenge in that in competing with that because we have to be you know we've got to perform i think more complex complex tasks in a very pressurized uh, environment than than they do to get the same results that we're trying to get so that's the big challenge you know can we rise to that can we can I, can, we, can we mentally deal with that i think they've got less pressure on them to mentally deliver their game plan so um, it's really fascinating when you get into it I do think there's plenty of of physicality in this Irish team to go ahead and win the game they they do have that but I still believe they'll be doing it in a different way to South Africa and it's because we are less physical than them simple as
2: John, the one thing I'd like to ask you, and it kind of goes back to the first question, or the first point I raised about Rory's, you know, remark about, you know, the perfect two weeks build-up where you couldn't script a better one. Like, from a South African perspective, obviously two wins from two, they have a foot in the quarterfinals since they beat Scotland. But at the same time, you know, the Malcolm Max injury is major. Like, their situation with Dion Fury and Markov and Straden covering Hooker, I'm just going to flip that around and say, if that was Ireland, we would be going, what on earth is Andy Farrell doing? Like, his two back rows as his replacement hookers, like, this is, Crazy stuff, and not only does it weaken their bomb squad, but Malcolm Marx was in great form as well. And obviously, the Hendry Pollard thing, kind of parachuting him in after forty minutes in like the, a Premiership Cup style competition as well, is they're kind of they're a little kind of they're being very cute. They're like maybe a little too cute, potentially. Like, what's your
1: view on and their build up and how they're entering into this game? Like, will you make the point about what would what would we be saying if this was Ireland, the equivalent? of what South Africa are going into this game with, if it was Ireland, would be they're going into it without Johnny Sexton, Dan Sheehan, Josh van der Flyer is the backup hooker, Gary Ringrose is injured. Like Because Lucanio Am, it's been flagged for so long that he was going to miss this tournament, he's been forgotten about. That's a world-class player. Malcolm Marks is a world-class player. Lude De Jager is a very important player for them. Etzebeth we think, is going to play, but he's a doubt. And they're saying that Henry Pollard isn't going to play and we know how important he was in the last World Cup and we know how important goal-kicking has, you know, you mentioned that game in November. You know how important the goal-kicking aspect of this test match is going to be and they don't have a frontline goal-kicker. If it was Ireland, like, people would be booking their flights home already, like, <laughs> gen- genuinely, like. I'd, if I if Ireland aren't going to win this game now with all the problems that South Africa have, you know, they're never going to be viewed as favourites in a World Cup game of this size because, Obviously, yes, South Africa have more players, they've got great depth, but like they're missing the spine of their side, essentially. And it's all important players and it's all really important aspects of the game. You know, we, yeah, we haven't talked about the scrum yet, but if MVN doesn't go the 80 minutes, like we're talking about a back rower scrummaging in an elite level World Cup test match, like that's a massive massive disadvantage. Surely it has to be. Yeah, it's a major risk.
2: Luke, like what's your what's your view on it? Obviously the South African team will be named by the time this podcast is, is being listened to. So we won't try to preempt their selection too much because it'll be out of date by the time this comes out. But like there's obviously a lot of uncertainty around what kind of bench uh Rosie Erasmus and Jack Neen are gonna are going to pick. But Jonathan touched on a huge amount of issues there that like we haven't really discussed, we've we'll gonna focus on the game planning nature of it. But just in terms of sheer personnel, they're down a couple of major, major players they really are, you know. I I think, um, you know, what...
0: I suppose the Pollard thing we all... I think the big concern we've always had with this South Africa team about going the whole way through the World Cup is is the, is the place kicking, you know. So Pollard probably sorts that out for you to a certain extent. I know he hasn't played a huge amount of rugby, but they gain that even though they lose a world-class player. Um, I think our view is that, you know... they're I think maybe we've just gotten used to some kind of pretty out of the box. I'm going to say I wasn't. I was going to say crazy, but some out of the box thinking from the coaching staff there. They seem to be, you know, very very creative and, and very confident in, in what they have. And um, I believe they won't do the seven one. I think it's too big a risk. Um, you know, I think it, they'd be they'd be silly to do that as well. They could leave themselves really really caught. And as well, like they'd be taking a risk that Scotland don't pummel. Uh, you know, the, the 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 minnows in the group. And, they, and and that they don't beat us, they're taking a big risk on that. Like they only have, when you think about it, I, I think it's a fifteen point window, wasn't it? With was 18-3, I think in the in the in the Scottish uh, in the South Africa Scotland match, so not a massive window, you know. And um, you just leave you're, you're kind of leaving yourself open to having a big banana skin moment if you if you do take those chances. I think they they will go the six two because I think they believe that that's where the strength of the team lies, um, and they can maybe expose Ireland a little bit. I think Ireland will go traditionally with the five three as well. Um, so they might have a slight edge there, but it, they are taking a small bit of ri- a bit bit of risk there. I think. I um, Think they'll think it's worthwhile because of plays to their strengths. But you know, I think maybe we've gotten used to, as I said, some out of the box thinking from this coaching staff, and maybe we haven't been highlighting maybe some of the unusual things that they have been doing, and possibly you know some of the risks they are taking. So force wait and see that
2: force from half in the squad two hookers already. That looks like it was a massive blunder like to be like let's just be frank like you know even if South Africa win the World Cup and then Benambi goes 80 every match I'm not going to be like oh what a masterstroke that was to only have like you no know, two hookers <laughs> you know like that and you're going to be thinking it was, a, it was a silly risk yeah 100% like it, you're, you're putting and Benambi is a, another world class option but it, it's requiring him to play pretty much 75 minutes or 80 potentially 80 minutes I don't think Dion Farid has played hooker I think his last club appearance was the 2017 18 season. I, I think I saw uh, someone say so. Like it's not as if he's playing there week in week out or or has been doing that relatively recently. So it's it's a massive risk.
0: Yeah, and their line-out is important to this South Africa team. You know, as much as they can kind of push it around at scrum time, um, you know, with you know just some unbelievable you know options um, on on the bench, um, and that that sheer weight that that, that they have. They will miss, like, if their line out isn't functioning, they, you know, they don't function too good either. I think that's very It's a really important tool for them. But generally speaking, you know, they're, they're, if you think about the great South Africa teams, and this is a very good one, I think, um, you know, their line out has been a, an area of strength. You know, they're just a, a lot of big men. They seem to be very, very organized and creative. They're hard to stop. Um, and, uh, you know, we, I think, I, I don't know who we were listening to. It might have been Jerry Flannery or, or it might have even been Bernard Jackman. Poor well, Bernard Jackman's getting quoted left, right, and center in this thing, <laughs> but, um, Sorry, no, it wasn't. It was James Tracy. I was listening to talk about their their mall and he was kind of talking about how you can kind of get lured into thinking it's just a lot of big men um, you know, pushing around smaller men. But really, there is an awful lot of subtlety around how they were setting up. I drove into an event with him there, a couple, like I think it was last week, um, and I, had a, I asked him about it. And he was kind of saying, no, look, you, you, what, what they do is actually, they, they're really, really creative. They're very adaptable and they're, they have the big men, which is the advantage, but their thinking is is... Can be ahead of a lot of teams in there too. So um, you know this South Africa team, they you know that, they might really regret that that decision to not take out another hooker. I think you're right, Will, um, and it seems like a silly risk at this stage, particularly with marks having gone down. But I think the goal kicking might still slightly
2: outweigh that, even if you're taking a risk about Manambi doing the the full the full eighty every week. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there was another injury in a different area of the team, and then another hooker might end up coming out, but you know, replacing replacing someone else. Jonathan, is there anything kind of we haven't touched on? Anything I don't know at a left field that, that could be significant? Like for me, I actually think the, the kind of the Irish crowd in Paris this Saturday, I think could could be a huge advantage for Ireland. I just noticed so many people have been targeting this game for years; they're going over. Obviously the first two weekends was great Irish support there but given they were always going to be relatively one-sided games it probably didn't make a huge difference whereas this time I think it could be a key thing in Ireland's favour. Between that or anything else that's kind of caught your eye. Anything a bit off the beaten track do you think that could be potentially significant on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I do think that uh, element is going to be going to be big for Ireland because you know you can uh, you can sort of glaze over a wee bit when the players start talking about the crowd because it feels almost like a platitude but I think at a World Cup And you know, you saw Johnny Sexton talking about it um, in nonce after that uh, after that Tonga game of just how important that is and making it feel making it feel like a home game. That's huge. You know, there's lots of Irish fans travelling over a nine o'clock kickoff local time, so everybody's going to be in a good voice by the time that game kicks off. And I think that that is a big big element. And I suppose the other thing that we haven't really touched on is uh, you know we talk an awful lot about. in Six Nations weeks, you know, we get very, very caught up in the, uh, the mind games, as it were, when it was Eddie Jones with England or whether it would be Warren Gatlin with Wales. But, like, I think the Razzie Erasmus element to this is fascinating. Or if you like the South African influence on Irish rugby over the last 10 years is, like, a fascinating element of this. Like, you know, Snyman, monster player, Jean Klein, Monster player Jack Ninabar worked in Monster, going to Leinster. Razi Erasmus worked in Monster. Dwayne Vermeulen has spent the last two years in Ulster. Stephen Kitchoff not there yet, but going to Ulster. Like, there's an awful lot of uh, IP, I suppose. That South Africa have had insight into, you know, Irish rugby IP. That South Africa have had an insight into over the last number of years, and I think that's a really interesting element of this game too. It really is, Luke. It's a funny one. You almost you'd
2: almost forget that Nien Aber is off the Lancer after this World Cup. You see him sitting beside the traffic lights. You see him being involved in these co- these left-field barmy coaching decisions. I'm like, I'm interested to see what he's going to be bringing to the RDS now after seeing some of the decisions I've made over the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, just another unbelievably interesting point of view from, from Jonathan. He must do this for a job, Jonathan. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, I think... Um, that is interesting, but I suppose that probably goes two ways, doesn't it? And that you know the guys will have a pretty good idea about what Rassi would be saying about Ireland. Obviously, he's given up the, you know, he, he's given up the goose a little bit in terms of his 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 view on Ireland and what he thinks about us. So I'm sure that might get some airtime at some point during the week about us possibly not having the um, the the, the enough, enough ticker to to go the distance when it when the going gets tough. Uh, I believe this Irish team is different than that, and I'd say he'd be silly to think it isn't. Um, But, uh, yeah, like, that's a two-way street, I suppose, isn't it? And I think lots of the guys will, um, it's probably an added thing to it and that both, you know, a lot of guys on the pitch there will probably want to prove something. You know, I think um, that will certainly be an interesting uh, subplot to to what's going on in the pitch. Um, In terms of anything else, you know, I think, um, I think that, I know I mentioned earlier on, but the discipline thing, I could see there being a, a yellow or red card in this one. I, just, I think both sides are really targeting this physically. Uh, South Africa to put, put a, you know, to kind of bully Ireland and Ireland to, to kind of stop them doing that. Um, that can kind of lead to some, you know, when, when tensions are high, you know, you're nervous, that can lead to some bad decision making. I think that, that's something that could really play a part in this one. So I wonder, you know, if both coaches will have mentioned something about that because I don't think against Ireland or against South Africa, you can play with 14 men for, for large periods of the game. Um, so I wonder will refereeing play a big part in this, and, and could someone see an early red uh, or, or, you know, a few yellows in this thing that maybe turn the tide? Um, it's a negative way of thinking about it. We don't want to be talking about the kind of disciplinary side and ter- particularly kind of you know officials' decision making, but it could play a part. It's physicality is the key to this game as it is in most rugby games, but the physicality, particularly in this one, decides it. I think so. I'm watching closely for that one. That, that, that hopefully something someone doesn't make a rash decision that ruins the game because. I think both teams, I think both sets of supporters really want to see this 15-on-15. 15 15. You know,
2: I think... Um, I'd be okay with an early South Africa <laughs> I wouldn't be... <laughs> I wouldn't.
0: I, I'd love to see, I want to see what we're made of. I think we, I think we might have turned the corner this team. I, I, I have a, a huge amount of confidence in, in what, what we're about. Um, I think if Sexton, you know, was to pick up an injury as well, I think we're, we're actually in the best position we've been in in a very, very long time to, to weather that storm. I think the person who comes in uh, looking like Ross Byrne at this stage um, you know, could could still guide us to the to the promised land of a victory against an Africa in the World Cup. So, so much to talk about in this one, isn't there? Like, it's you could go on all day, but but it, there there is really a lot of interesting things going on, on the side of this one.
2: Yeah, Jonathan, the discipline point is key because the the twenty seven match you know period I I you know, referred to twenty five wins, two defeats. I think Ireland's red card came bundyaki against England was like the third match of that run. So you're talking twenty four matches with no red cards, which you know has been a key part of it. Like, Ireland are probably one of the best disciplined teams when it comes to not picking up those high shots that we've seen England be undone by, you know, multiple times over the last short period of time and, and other teams as well. Like, I can't underestimate how
1: important it is just having your full complement for as much as a game as possible. Even the yellow cards, like, you know, the notion that Peter O'Mahony's yellow card, um, which it was funny just how region he looked by that yellow card. Like, his, uh, it looked like the world had Fallen away from him when he got that yellow card. Like um, for that to be the first yellow card that Ireland have got since uh, Andrew Porter in New Zealand, that's absolutely incredible. Like that's a really underplayed element of Ireland's success um, in their rise to the number one ranking in the world. Like it's so so difficult to do that in international rugby, and I think you know we don't want a discipline to be a huge part of it, but we've seen in. An awful lot of games coming into this tournament. We've seen in games at this tournament, where even if it's not cards, like the penalty count, the penalty count could be a massive, massive part of this game as well.
2: Yeah, Luke, it's a funny one because when Joe Schmidt departed, you know, people may, were maybe slightly concerned that his focus on discipline, his focus on the breakdown, they could be two parts of of the the good stuff of the Schmidt era that we wanted to keep that might fall by the wayside. But as you referred to earlier, Ireland's Rooksby, speed when they're in their full flow is really, really impressive. Jonathan touched on there, the discipline piece. There are things that Andy Farrell has been able to keep as bedrocks while also adding in this whole huge wave of other kind of little intri- intricacies oh, sorry, intricacies uh, into the game plan.
0: Yeah, I look, I suppose it would be stupid to, to not take, you know, some of that. I mean, Joe Schmidt was so far ahead and, and a lot of us thinking about how you number up at rooks and how you break down, you know, your technique and how you practice those things. I mean, I'd never seen anyone go into that kind of detail. Um, and it wasn't, he, ne- he always kind of kept it simple as well for everyone so everyone could really deliver on the stuff. So he was, he was a brilliant communicator and a brilliant thinker on the game. So it would have been crazy to just shed all that good work. And I think Ireland, you know, I, I actually watched a great clip of Andy Farrell yesterday in a big punch-up. Um, yeah, for, pretty impressive stuff. Uh, but he obviously hasn't instilled that in his own team. Um, or certainly, you know, they, they're very, very much more controlled in terms of the aggression that, that they have. I, I, look, if you look at all the coaching staff there, I think they'd all be heavily influenced by Schmidt as well. So I'm not surprised that that thinking, which makes sense to me, um, you know, has remained within the, within the group. Um, I do think, you know, to follow on from that, I, I don't think Ireland can get a yellow card against South Africa. That, I, I think if we get a yellow card, we might lose the game, unless it's in the, like the last two or three minutes. Put it that way. I, I think they're, they're the worst team to play against with 14 men. They're just a nightmare. Um, so um, Ireland are very capable of being very disciplined, keeping the penalty count to, you know, you know, 10, 11, 12. You're hoping it's under under 10 nearly guarantees you a win these days. Weirdly enough, it's a weird stat, isn't it? Um, but, um, yeah, got to have 14 on the or 15 on the pitch for the whole game, I think. And if they keep the penalty count in in, in and, and they can hang on to possession, I think South Africa go over the 10. Penalties easy, actually. I think they will. If you look at their disciplinary record over the last, I think it's 10 games, I saw an interesting stat on it. Actually not very good. Um, you know, a lot of yellow cards and things like that, a lot of penalties. So, um that could be the differentiator in this game even though it's not something that we all want to be talking about. It's not the the glitzy glamour stuff but it's the nuts and bolts of what makes a really good team is that discipline. So um I think we'll all be
2: watching that one close and Hopefully it won't be a talking point after the game for, for, for us at least anyway. Mm. Just before I finish up and get your predictions just quickly on the Fiji-Australia game Jonathan, it was, it was the big game of the weekend. You know, obviously we were talking a lot about the Fiji-Wales game the previous week and how unlucky they were at the end to not come away with a victory but what a moment for them in Australia. Conversely, like staring in the barrel of elimination, the pool stage. I think for the first time ever, which would be an absolute disaster for Eddie Jones after making that big coaching change. What did you make of the of the game?
1: I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, incredible. Like you know, in the preview that we did uh, two weeks ago, I got quite bullish about Fiji and tipped him to to make a semi final. But I think the injury to months. I think like you can make the argument that you know, yes. Like, obviously, France miss Entomac, but um, I think you make the argument that that was the most, or looked like it was going to be the most impactful injury because there just didn't look to be the same type of player in that Fiji squad. So once that happened, like, you really worried about their game management and you really worried about their goal kicking. But those were two things that were not an issue whatsoever in that Australia game. Like, they controlled it really, really well. It wasn't a what we would view as a typically Fijian performance of throwing the ball around and having all these line breaks like that didn't happen. They just managed the game. They controlled it from start to finish. And the goal kicking for a guy that, um, you know, after the game said that he'd never really done it before was unbelievable and just mm. uh, really kept kept that scoreboard pressure on Australia, who we know are a very young team, probably a bit of fragility in terms of their confidence. And they just sort of, really until that last uh, quarter where they realized it was pretty much do or die, they almost seemed to go into themselves a wee bit just because of that, uh, I suppose the pressure that was coming on from the scoreboard. But look, it's it's what this tournament needed. You know, we talked uh, the first couple of weeks about this idea of the Rugby Championship sides and the uh, Six Nations sides, unless they were playing each other, you know, they had won. We talked about whether we were going to get upsets. We all thought that we were, but we hadn't really had one. And, it's arguable whether you can even call it an upset. It didn't play out like an upset. But just in terms of, I suppose, those traditional superpowers, you know, this was the first one that we saw really knocked off. And it it sets up the rest of that pool incredibly well because like that that Australia-Wales game this weekend is absolutely massive now because I wouldn't write Australia off just yet because I think they can do something in that game. And then that pool is blown wide open if that's the case. Yeah, Luke, what, what, what are your thoughts on it?
0: Oh, I would love to see Eddie Jones go home, uh, if I'm being (laughs) honest. Um, um, Yeah, no, look, I think it was a bit like, you know, it looks like now the the Hooper and Cooper, um, you know, selection decisions um, probably come back to haunt them a little bit. They looked like a bit rudderless out there, I thought. Fiji were very good for their win. Completely dominated at scrum time, I think. And obviously, look, the the, the, the athletes that they have in in the back line. I just, you know, combine that with Bottia who seems to be getting, like anytime he goes near a ball, cannot seem to be shifted. Um, You know, he's just a complete nightmare to play against. I mean, we give Leinster a hard time, but playing against Skelton and playing against Bottia, they're just a nightmare combination, aren't they? They really can destroy your game plan. I wonder sometimes if we're being overly harsh on Leinster a little bit um, and maybe Ireland's ability to deal with that physicality because it looks like not many other teams can deal with, with Bottia either on the ground he's just so good at getting into position and just seems to cling in there seems to have able to contort his body into positions where you're kind of saying like how is he still there and absorbing hits in there it's just incredible and what that does is it gives you a little bit of turnover ball here and there it gives you a penalty that keeps the lifeline there and then all you need is a few little defensive errors and Fiji would just shred you just with the athletes they have and the, and the physicality so um really pleasing uh that group now again as you said absolutely intriguing to see you know who comes out of it um you know i wouldn't mind saying goodbye to gatland either but probably a little bit more affection for him um you know um i, I, I would love to see fiji go through i think they deserve it i think you know you think it'd be really good for for world rugby i think if you, you know you look at the the match against england as well they were good for that win as well so um to my mind, they, they they are where they deserve to be. I think they were very unfortunate against Wales with that drop pass at the end. Probably should never have got into that position anyway. But it was compounded by some really awful refereeing. So I think, you know, at this point in that stage, they look like the team that deserved to go through. And it would be so good to see them go through, wouldn't it? I mean, what a match it was. I mean, they won kind of comfortably in the end, I, th- I think. I know there was a little bit of an Australian fight back, but not much, not much. It was pretty
2: impressive. They looked good for the win. Yeah, and they, as Jonathan said, they have a huge chance of getting to a semi-final. I'm just looking at that side of the draw, like the potential ma- quarter-final matchup against England, what a clash of styles that would be given hey, England to be fair, two in from two. But we're not even going to talk about that. I, I will say that for, for another show uh, because we're going to let's keep gonna, it happy. Let's keep yeah, it positive. Let's keep <laughs> it happy. And, uh, I don't want England infecting our bumper previously. Uh, so if I finish up with predictions. Then um, I'm quite confident. I, I'm, I'm back at an Ireland win this week. I think we, you know, we've touched on a lot of things that could go right for Ireland and some of the areas that might trip them up. But I just think the, the group looked to be in a very good place, looking very sharp. Johnny Sexton's hit the ground running. All the key guys look to be in great form. Dan Sheehan back on the bench, maybe Jack Cohen as well. When South Africa's bench looks potentially slightly weaker than we're accustomed to, I think all that plays into an Ireland victory. Jonathan, what about you?
1: Yeah, agree 100%. I think Ireland by somewhere in the region of uh, of five.
2: And Luke, give you the last word. Are we going for a clean sweep? Um,
0: yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think it's tighter than five. I can't see it being more. But um, yeah, no, I don't think Ireland win it. I, I just think um, it, groups in a good place. I think they look pretty fresh. Um, I think key guys back is very, very important. And um, the bench could be a difference. Yeah, I agree. And I think the discipline might be the difference as well. So
2: yeah, I, I agree. Three well. for three. What a great note to finish. And hopefully this time next week we'll be sitting and having recorded It doesn't but... mean
0: anything Will Don't be jinxing there. That's a great note to finish.
2: <laughs> Don't jinx us for God's sake. Oh, I'm very <laughs> bullish. In my mind, I'm already on to Scotland. I've already <laughs> I've already moved on to Scotland. But uh no, hopefully this time next week we'll be discussing an Ireland victory. In the meantime, there'll be more, plenty more podcasts this week, which made Rudd and Keane over in France. And you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or listen to independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.
1: Listen and follow The Left Wing wherever you get your podcasts.